0: Welcome to the uh, Big Guys, Little Ties podcast. Uh, I'm solo today. Jordan is not with me. I'm just joined with uh, Jason Floyd in the studio here. Um, And, yeah, no tie today either for me. So it's just a semi-big guy with no tie. But, uh, yeah, I thought I would uh, use this uh, episode to talk about uh a few things that have been pertinent pertinent to me lately in my life um as i move on and uh you know you know as life goes on this is a, a way for me to express myself uh while uh hopefully passing a message on to other people other young other young men young people um And, uh, you know, in my job that I do now, I work, I work security, I work as a bouncer in a, in a club, in a, in a strip club, in a gentleman's club. And I find myself, uh, you know, with my unique background being a wrestler and a former professional fighter, um, it works well for me, even though the hours are terrible. I do have two kids. I am recently, uh, divorced. Uh, well, technically my ex and I were never legally married but we had two children together and we were we lived as as if we were married for uh about 11 years almost 12 years and you know I, the, the initial separation part obviously was very painful but i believe that time heals all wounds and i've uh used a lot of the time to uh look to improve myself uh you know reading books listening to uh different people, you know, on YouTube on podcasts and conversations I've had with people to understand like where everything went wrong in my relationship. And, you know, at work, um, I, you know, see the strip club bouncer is, is a unique position because you don't, you're not just a, you're not just security. You do multiple things, right? You're, you're technically a host as well, at least in the club that I work at, at scores in Tampa. Um, you know, w- we come w- around all different walks of life and uh you know i've developed friendships with people too people that are normal people you know they just they have problems like everybody else um they have some problems are a lot worse than others with some people uh but we all have trauma that we've dealt with in our lives some worse than others everybody has trauma all right um even myself uh you know I, I grew up in a in a in a very good family i have my two parents have they've been married for over 50 years uh you know i have a unique perspective on life from my personal position that i've come into in my life and so you know th- th- i find myself not only you know be acting as security or acting as uh you know protection for customers against each other, against the staff, against the the entertainers. Um, you know, but I find myself engaging in conversations with people and I find myself often just either listening or offering advice to those. And some. so what I'd like to focus on today's podcast is... Uh, basically it's one person, but it's, it's, it's universal for a few of them, uh, about a gentleman that I've had conversations with and I do my best to help him within the little time that I have. I work an eight hour shift and sometimes I find myself talking to different people for hours at a time at the front door or inside or in passing. Um, and you know, I engage in these conversations because I'm just drawn to it. It's just part of I guess, me developing into the next phase of my life. Uh, It could be considered being a life coach. It could be considered just being a, uh, you know, a listening ear for somebody. But I wanted to start off with uh, a few stories, and we'll see where it goes from here. So drug use, all right, Um, a lot of people use drugs to escape, all right. And uh, there's this experiment that I heard about. I don't know if it's really true because I read it on Facebook and then I did a little bit of research afterwards. But there was an experiment about what these two rats, okay, these laboratory rats that an experiment was done with uh, based on uh, cocaine. Okay. So they, they put these rats in a cage and they put two types of water in this cage. All right. They put regular tap water. And then they put the regular tap, uh, one container with uh, regular tap water. And they put another uh, container with a little bit of cocaine in it. And so the rats first went to these waters and they went to both of them at first. But then, you know, afterwards, these rats only exclusively went to the cocaine water after a while because it was a stimulus for them. All right. And and in the cage, there was nothing in the cage at all. It was just the rats there by themselves. And so you know, with food and whatever, and they just went to exclusively to the cocaine water. Okay. Then they set up another experiment where they put, or part of the same experiment, they put other stimulus into the cages for these rats. Okay. So they put, um, the same waters, the regular tap water with the cocaine water. But now inside of this other cage, they put all kinds of other activities that the rats could participate in. They put a wheel, they put mazes, they put like all these other little things, you know, like a climbing wall that they could go up on and things that they could do. And they found, the the uh, scientists found in the second rat cage rather than just going exclusively to the cocaine water they went to both waters equally the same okay so they had so what was learned from this experiment and again i'm not a scientist not a doctor not a psychologist um what what the scientists discovered uh was that the external stimulus for these rats to have these other activities for them to participate in Uh, basically alleviated the burden or the addictive quality to the drugs, okay? So they, they set up these other activities for these rats, and the rats went to the regular water the same amount as the water with the cocaine in it. So what that tells me, I mean, if you want to apply this to humans, and again, rats and human beings are not the same, but there could be some validity to this experiment is that you know humans that find themselves kind of caught in this sort of like rut with drugs we think our only way to escape is through drug use or excessive alcohol use or you know these these sort of lower forms of entertainment find other activities to get involved in do other things get yourself in the gym Get yourself participating in uh, events. You know, even if you don't have any, you know, much money to do, get out and just start exercising. Go out and walking. Go out and see nature. Go to the beach without drugs. Go uh, go to a park. Go to the mountains. Get out in the woods. Do camping. I mean, there's, there's a variety of other activities that you can do and not feel the need or the urge to participate in. Uh, you know, using drugs as an escape. Okay, so that's the first story. And that uh, is targeted to a few people that, you know, I may or may not have had contact with in this job or in previous jobs, okay? Um, Now, for my friend that, uh, this particular friend that uh, is, he's a great, you know, this guy's great. He seems to have it all physically in the exterior, okay? He's got money he's got a boat, he's got a nice house, he's got, you know, nice cars. Um, but he seems to be empty in the other areas of his life. And he, and he shared that with me. He shared, he says, I'm just, I'm very lonely and, uh, I don't really know what to do. And, um, you know, I'm just miserable. You know, he's divorced recently. He's been, you know he's a he's a good, he's a good guy. He's smart. Uh, you know he's he's um, uh, he's got a great background. Uh, I don't want to say what this person does, but you know he's 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 traveled, and he's been a part of either the police or the military or fire or first responders, and you know, and him sharing these stories to me, you know, he's it's almost like a. a he, I can feel the desperation in him. He's just l- looking for a connection with people. And um, the point that I got with him and with other people that I see quite often is that money is not always the answer to happiness. Okay. And there's a few stories that I'll tell. And I've, I've uh, posted them on little little snippets of it. I've told the story before on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, they're on there. But the first story is a story of the wise farmer. This is a Buddhist story. And I first heard this one from somebody and then I looked it up and it may or may not be written down somewhere. So I'm paraphrasing the story. So please forgive me. But it's the story of the wise farmer. Okay. Now the wise farmer is the wisest man in all of China. And he has this prized horse that lives in, at his house. Again, I'm telling this story from my perspective, and I am might be butchering it, but I think you'll be able to get the point. The wise farmer has a neighbor. The neighbor comes over and says to him, wow, you, you, you're so blessed. You have this house, this land, and you have this prized horse. You must be very happy and proud of yourself. And the wise farmer says, maybe. Okay, so the next day, that prize horse that he has escapes, jumps over the fence, disappears, and so the frantically the neighbor comes over again to the wise farmer's house and says, "Oh my God, you just lost your prize horse. It's gone forever. You were very wealthy with that horse, but now your wealth has gone down. You must be sad." And the wise farmer, the wise farmer says, "Maybe." The next day. Um, that same horse comes back but brings 25 uh, prized horses with him, wild stallions, right? And um, so now he's 25 twenty five times richer than the first day of the story. So the neighbor comes back over and says, oh my God, now what great fortune you have. Uh, you're 25 times richer. You must be happy and glad. And the wise farmer says, maybe. The next day, the wise farmer's son is out trying to tame one of those stallions and gets knocked off and breaks his leg in half and is crippled for life. So the neighbor comes over and says, Oh my goodness, what terrible fortune your son fell down and broke his leg. He's crippled. Are you sad? And the wise horse farmer says, maybe the next day, The military comes around to conscript all the able-bodied males to join the military to go to a battle where they are most likely to be massacred. But they pass over the wise horse farmer's son because he's crippled. And so the, the neighbor comes over and says, Oh my God, what great fortune. Your son got passed over where he was surely to die in the military. Are you happy? And the wise horse farmer says maybe. Okay. So the point, the point of this story is good things and bad things are going to happen in life. It's just, it's just the nature of this existence. Tragedies, triumphs, wins, losses, victories, defeats, bad things are going to happen in this world. It's just part of this existence. And The wise horse farmer is wise because he doesn't celebrate the victories and he doesn't mourn the defeats, the good things and the bad things. I mean, obviously this is a story, it's a fable, um, uh, possibly even a myth, but there's a lot to pull from it, okay? And so I say this to my friend who has had good things and bad things and happened in his life, just as we all do that just keep going, man. It's not gonna, the story's not over yet. You're still young. You still have a great amount of, you know, most of your life is still ahead of you and don't, you can't let any one thing pull you down uh, and define you. Same thing with your victories too. You can't let the one thing define you forever. As much as popular media and and movies and literature want to say that that's the case, it's not the case for a healthy person to live. okay? Now, I'm not saying that someone needs to be uh, apathetic to everything and live life. you still you know you still have a life of compassion and a life of love and you know and you do things, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, don't let the weight of these tragedies. Or victories define you. Okay, you're already defined. You're already celebrated. You're already loved. Okay. So the next story, um, this is another one I also posted on uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram a while ago too. But it's a story of King David um, in the Bible and in in the uh, in the in the in the Torah, the Old Testament. And so. Um, I'm not a Bible expert. Uh, I was raised Roman Catholic. Uh, and I think, you know, as I get older now, um, I see a lot of wisdom in the Bible, especially from some of the stories that I've heard. I've, I, I have listened to Joel Osteen. I've listened to Billy Graham. And I think they're some amazing speakers and uh, the, the message overall. And I know J- Joel Osteen's gotten a really bad rap in the press lately. Um, but I, I'm a fan of his, I like what he says. I know he's got money and people are, have certain opinions on that, but I really like this story and how he often uses the story of King David because it's uh, it can be reflected into each individual person. Okay, Now, the story of King David, if you don't know the Bible, uh, King David was a, the most blessed person in the Bible in the Old Testament, one of the most blessed. Okay, Started off as this poor shepherd boy, And then he eventually became the king. All right, and uh, it was prophecy prophesied, but one of the prophets came to his household and selected him and told his father that he was going to be the king one day. And the father was kind of like shocked. Nah, are you sure? Because he's you know he's just he's the, the lowest of my sons essentially. And again, forgive me for all all the Bible experts that are going to listen to this story, but this is what I took from it because there's a lot of themes that can be pulled from the story and lessons to be learned from the story of King David. So anyway, King David makes his way eventually to the palace and he starts off, you know, he's a musician and then he ends up uh, having an opportunity to fight in battles and he eventually, uh, you know, he slays, you know, there's the famous story of David and Goliath where he becomes a hero. And then, you know, eventually he makes his way to become king, okay? So he's a very—and all, all the while he's he worships God. He worships, he worships uh, Yahweh, all right? And, um, and he gives praise and he follows. But just like most people, he is flawed. He makes mistakes. And he makes one really big mistake or sin. You can't really say it's a mistake, but he commits a pretty heinous sin at one time. So he's already— uh, married and has, you know, he has children, but he sees a woman bathing. This is the story of Bathsheba. He sees this woman uh, bathing off of his balcony one day and he, you know, has one of his servants bring her to him and he seduces her and gets her pregnant. And um, it turns out that she's actually married, and has a husband who is fighting on the front right now. And I believe his name was Uriah the Hittite, but don't quote me on that one. Anyway, uh, you know, David tries to cover up the sin by bringing, because he's obviously conflicted with it, so he brings your uh, you know the, the soldier back, I believe it's Uriah, like I could be wrong though, with the name. So he brings Uriah back, and in the midst, he tries to get Uriah to like, cohabitate with his wife again, because he brings him back from the war front, because there's battles being fought. But they never, Uriah, he never connects Uriah with Bathsheba again, to try to like cover up his David's own mistake. of So he tries to make it seem like that Uriah impregnated her, but Uriah never connects with her. Anyway, he's never able to fulfill and cover up his sin by connecting them. So in, in, in haste, in panic, he ends up having Uriah killed at, in battle. Okay. He sets it up so that he gets killed. And it's just a massive, you know, nasty, disgusting crime that he committed. It was horrible. Anyway, he brings Bathsheba into the palace, marries her. And, um, he eventually, uh, how do I say this? So he, there's there's just bad things that are happening, but God sends one of his prophets over to David to basically accuse David and basically uh, uh, get him to admit that he had committed something. And David never really, he didn't want he didn't want to admit it. But finally he admits the sin that he had committed by having Bathsheba murdered. And, Eventually, again, there's many themes to be pulled from this. Eventually, God eventually forgives him for his sin because he admitted. With that, you know, there was obviously, there was a price to pay for this afterwards. You know, the baby ends up dying. And, you know, uh, there's other forms of, how do I say it, uh, basic, there were problems that were caused from the result of this sin, but eventually he was forgiven. So I said this to my friend. Uh, who may or may not have committed some terrible acts in his life. We're all capable of forgiveness, okay? If you believe in God or the universe or the greater, you know, uh, the higher power or the creative force that created everything, there's different names for it. um, You're always capable of being forgiven. Now, you may have to pay a price legally at some point because there are different, you know, there's two sets of laws. Right. There's the laws of man and there's the laws of the universe or the laws of God, if you want to use those. That's my opinion on it. But we're all capable of being forgiven at the higher level. And so I say this to my friend, my friend, he wrestles with these these, you know, things that happened in the past. And it always comes up in our conversations about, you know, acts he may have committed that were horrible and heinous. And 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 this is for him. It's just, listen, man. You can be forgiven, but God can forgive you, but you have to be able to forgive yourself. Okay? And you have to actually forgive yourself. You have to actively speak to yourself and say these words of forgiveness. Even if you don't believe it right away, it starts with your words. Okay? It starts with how you talk to yourself. All right? And it can be as simple as when you wake up in the morning and you have that horrible feeling. I remember, for me, it was, God, going to school sometimes. You just get up and you're like, man, I really don't wanna do this right now, you know? And then one negative thought leads to two, two leads to four, and next thing you know, you've beat the crap out of yourself for an hour and a half, and it might last throughout the day. I've been there. Um, But it begins with the words that you say to yourself. So when you wake up in the morning, uh, it's a simple uh, euphemism that we've heard before. Count your blessings. okay. So you, when you wake up in the morning and you have all these things and all these feelings and maybe you've done some things that you didn't want to do the night before or the days before or years in the past, it starts with telling yourself, I am forgiven. Okay, I am forgiven. And then my tip would be to find this is where counting the blessings comes in. Find the good things that are happening in your life. Don't find the bad. Now I've heard from scientists and psychologists and things that I've listened to from my perspective that we are oh, we are programmed for negativity. Okay? Men, women, the modern age, the mind is programmed for negativity. Why are we programmed for negativity? we're trying to fix the problems. Our mind is trying to fix the problems, to rectify them. But sometimes we get caught in these negative feedback loops, all right? Where, like I said, one negative thought becomes 50 negative thoughts. And uh, you've just, you know, and it's a cycle that you go on every, every, that happens every single day for a period of time and that can lead to, you know, a, a form of depression. Um, but a simple solution, one simple solution it may not work for everybody is to continually as Joel Osteen would say, to bless yourself throughout the day. Okay. So when you wake up in the morning, it's, well, I'm thankful that I have hands, or if you don't have hands, just I'm thankful that I have feet, you know, or I'm thankful that, you know, the sun is shining today and just sit in those moments of gratitude. It could be even a memory that you had of something a long time ago. Stay in those positive memories for an extended period of time. And if the mind eventually goes away from it, just, you know, recognize that something that you're going in that direction, once you recognize it, you can snap yourself back into the positive direction. Okay? Another... A little tip I wanted to uh, add also too, and I heard this one from Eckhart Tolle. He's got a great book out there called The Power of Now. Um, uh, He's a spiritual teacher, modern guy, really interesting story from Spain and Germany, lived in both places growing up. And um, he just kind of had an awakening at a certain point in life because he was filled with depression his whole life. And then one day everything changed for him. Um, but with Tolly, he said it like this. He said, and I'm sure he heard it from somewhere else too, everything leads back to fear. Okay? So everything leads back to fear. Anger, again I'm paraphrasing this, anger is the godfather or the, or the parent of fear. Okay. So most people, when they get angry for these, you know, for any situation at all, it's a situation where they're afraid of something. If you trace it, if you follow that thought, like, why am I angry? If you question yourself, why am I angry about this? Why is this bothering me? For me, it's with my kids. Sometimes I'll be doing homework with my, with my oldest and I'll sit there and I'll get, you know, whether he's not all the way into it or he's not, frustrated, you know, he's he's frustrated or he's just not, doesn't want to do it. I get, I, there's been moments, I don't frequently get angry, but you know, there's been moments where I get, where I've gotten angry. And the reason, you know, I had to question this, after I heard Tolly mention this, I questioned myself, why am I angry that my son doesn't want to do his homework or why is he having a hard time? Well, it's because I'm afraid that he's going to be lost in life. I'm afraid that he's going to be hurt and he's going to be left behind. And I'm afraid that, you know, bad things are going to happen to him in life for my son. I fear for him. I fear. And in, when I look back to it, am I really fearful for him or am I fearful for myself? And then I came to the conclusion, well, what it is, I'm fearful for my offspring not going on to spread more offspring. That's the conclusion that I came to because he's going to become a less marketable person, not going to pass it on, but it's all buried in the unconscious mind. It was way in there. And I had to really dig and search to understand why I would get frustrated and angry for him not completing his homework. All right. And so it's the same with, uh, with my friend, he, 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 goes out with the intention of having a good time and one thing leads to another and in the midst of a good time, a negative thought pops up, then one thought becomes two, two becomes four, et cetera. And next thing you know, you've just, a fun night out has turned into a a horrible, nasty event. And frequently, if we don't try to search what the root cause of our problems are and seek to fix them, um, then we start putting band-aids on a gaping wound okay and this is where drug use comes in this is where the use of, uh, of excessive alcohol or cocaine or excessive marijuana or what you know whatever pills we're putting a we're putting a band-aid on a gaping wound rather than getting to the root cause of it okay um that being said, the other issue, another issue too, um, loneliness. Okay. Um in the in the initial stages of my separation, I was like utterly alone. I have my kids, which is great. In the days I would I would busy myself with them, uh, especially when it uh during last uh, summer when it first uh happened. Um I believe going back and doing some research that I suffered from codependency. Okay, now there's a lot of codependencies like it's it's not a direct uh I don't, think, I don't know if there's an exact definition for codependency. Correct me if I'm wrong, but from my definition of codependency is waiting for other people to kind of like love you and care for you because you don't really love or care for yourself as much, okay? And, um, you know, and so people that suffer from codependency get trapped in these relationships. They get trapped with, you know, other people that may or may not be narcissists or, you know, whatever. So they find themselves kind of like stuck in these positions in life where they're, they're, they're you know, loved, they're, they, feel, they feel not loved, and then when they feel loved, they, you know, they're excited, and when the other person doesn't show love, they're sad and depressed and so with my friend um, you know how does how, how do we how do we begin to love ourselves okay how does that how does it start by loving ourselves well there's a few things for me um being an athlete i found three things that will always kind of like help me to remind myself number one is the awareness okay the awareness of Uh, and this is aside from the three things, the awareness that, um, I need to love myself and I'm getting into a negative position in life. Okay. So it's physical, mental, and spiritual. Okay. The physical number one, uh, take care of your body. Okay. Get to the gym. Work with a personal trainer if you can afford it. And if you can't afford a gym membership, you can do some basic exercise routine at your house, all right? Push-ups, pull-ups, walk, run, um, sit-ups, stretching, okay? So get physical. That's the first thing that I would recommend to anybody that's undergoing these sorts of positions in life or is in this position. Number two, um, I say mental. All right and this could be used as prayer it could be used as goal setting it can be used all, you know a few different ways uh my my version of prayer or what i would call prayer i was raised roman catholic is kind of you know putting putting intentions into the world okay a, a, a catholic or a christian or a judeo christian judeo islamo christian or non denominational prayer could be something like um saying thank you. Just thank, you know, just thank, thank you God, or just thank you to existence or thank you to the universe for giving me the opportunity to live because living is a great blessing. Okay. And there's, there's a variety of different ones and we'll go over them later on at a certain point in the podcast. Okay. Just finding thanks, finding gratitude. Okay. And if, when you find gratitude, when you live in gratitude, um, it's a funny thing because you say the words to yourself and maybe you don't believe them at first, but after a while, these words kind of catch in and they begin to sink in to your mind into your way of being finding, finding thanks for all those things. Okay. And number three would be meditation. Okay. Now prayer and meditation can kind of be used synonymously. Uh, again, some experts would have different ways of looking at it, but I've learned a few different ways of meditation. um, I've learned physical meditation. Uh, one of the eight limbs of yoga is called pranayama. And pranayama is basically, uh, again, uh, forgive me for the, for the yoga experts and the meditation experts out there, but pranayama is just you find patterns of breathing, uh, repetitive patterns of breathing to be able to sort of shut your mind off. Okay? Okay. So it could be as simple as the, uh, the four part breath where you breathe in for four like this, hold for four and then exhale for four and then hold for four again once the breath is paused. Okay. So that's a real simple one. So those three things, if I can do any of those three things during the day, um, I know that I'm sure to have a good day. Okay. For me. Uh, The challenges don't seem as challenging. Uh, The victories aren't as great. I'm not going to get so high. I'm not going to get so low. Um, But if I had to choose one of those three for me at this point in my life, it's definitely physical exercise. Okay, physical exercise. uh, You know, there may be a point where I get injured and I can't do those, do physical exercise because I hurt an ankle or a knee or maybe I got into a car accident. But I'll have always those three things, one of those three, To fall back on. If I can do all three, my day is bulletproof. But if I cannot do any of those three, uh, you know, I can be certain that those challenges will pop up. I'm not putting conditions on my life or for your life. um, But just some tips to help you to alleviate the burden that you're carrying. All right. And so that's all I have for today. Uh, Again, it's a little bit of a different uh, podcast than what we're used to. Uh, No guest, just me. Uh, But I look forward to uh, hearing any comments, questions. Uh, People are always uh, welcome to reach out to us. uh, And we'll do our best to answer. And that's it. Signing off.